Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome everyone. So glad you're joining us today. Most of you already know that in January every year we go back to basics and we go through the first four chapters of Ernest Holmes' The Science of Mind textbook. Ernest Holmes, of course, was the founder of the Science of Mind and Centers for Spiritual Living. And so it's our opportunity every year for just checking in and making sure we're on board with the basic understandings, principles, and practices that he created, or, or I should say, uh, arranged to be so easily accessible in the world. Of course, spiritual practices and principles around forever, as long as there have been human, as long as there have been God, the principles exist, but how marvelous of him to condense them down into an easy-to-understand way. Well, last week, we talked about God itself, that favorite topic of mine anyway, and, uh, and we're no different than the major world religions in terms of its basic belief about spirit. We certainly believe in the three omnis, uh, omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent, that idea of God being everywhere present, God being all wise, and God having that, that complete power over everything. In that regard, we're pretty much the same as all of the world's religions. We do believe that God is that powerful. Where we are, though, a little unique is in how we interpret and support the idea of being omnipresent. We believe that God is omnipresent, that God is everywhere, because God is everything. That's the way that we understand both the, the scriptures of uh, many of the world's religion, but, but also what Ernest Holmes brings to the table here, that belief that God is literally in and as everything. Now, now this is a, perhaps a fundamental difference because instead of praying to like a disembodied superhuman up on a cloud or some, some distant and judging God, our, our prayers need only to go as far as our own intelligence because our mind, our consciousness is actually part of the Creator's mind and consciousness. God everywhere present and so God is right here acting through us and as us and, and today that idea of complete unity of spirit is what I want to talk about. God acting through us. Now, there's a couple different ways of interpreting this, and I think where I want to start is today's joke. So there was a poor dirt farmer who finally saved up enough money to buy a few inexpensive acres of land. A little run-down, weather-beaten farmhouse sat on the edge of the acreage, truly a sad picture of years of neglect. The land had not been maintained either, and so there were old tree stumps, rusted pieces of machinery, all sorts of debris strewn about. The whole place, frankly, was a mess. Well, the farmer rolled up his sleeves and got to work. He hauled off the junk, repaired the fence, pulled out the stumps, planted new trees, and then he refurbished the old house into a sweet cottage, new roof, new windows, a new stone walkway, a new paint job, finally, a new fence. It took several years to accomplish all this, but finally, when the last job had been completed, what a beautiful situation. One day, his minister, who had heard about the farm from others at the church, stopped by and said, 
well, it certainly looks like you and God have created a beautiful place here. Wiping the sweat from his face, the farmer replied, well, yeah, that's true, but you should have seen it when God had it all to itself. And so I think for me that joke highlights one of the places where we we lose track of the unity principle. We tend to think there are God's activities and then there are human activities. We tend to think that there's a divine activity inspired by spirit and then more human, mundane, and ego-centered activities by us humans. And I would suggest that that is a total arbitrary and even untrue characterization. God, because we are part of God, is always acting through us and as us. Even, even in some of those activities where it's hard to find God from our human perspective, nonetheless, God is being expressed through us. And so I want to talk about why that is so today. And the fundamental reason is the idea that we were made in God's likeness. If you go back to Christian and Jewish scripture, you'll find in Genesis that it is said that we were made in the likeness of God. Now, I don't think that that means that somewhere God looks like us or that we look like God in a physical sense, but that idea of the likeness means that those characteristics and capabilities of God have been scaled down in an earthly kind of way for us to take advantage of and for us to use. And so one of those primary gifts or one of those primary characteristics that we have in likeness of the Creator is our free will. In the same way that God had the free will to create the heavens and the earth, we have the free will to do a whole lot of creating around our own lives. Now, That free will, though, if you think about it, we can do a lot of what appears to be good in the world, but when our power is used uh, perhaps not very intelligently or with an overabundance of our ego, sometimes that same power can be used to hold us in bondage and misery. So the greatest gift from God, the greatest uh, way that we're like God, I think is in this element of free will. But it is that double-edged sword. With our free will, we can do things on behalf of spirit, behalf of spirit moving through us, that both look God-like, that look spiritual, that look like they're filled with love and life and joy and peace and so on, or we can choose a different path. And so one of the things that I, I think is, uh, is calling to me on this day as we talk about us moving and acting on behalf of spirit, I have to ask myself, how do I get better at doing that? You know, this week was a, a tumultuous time in U.S. politics. Many of you were glued to the television set as I was watching an insurrection basically come about in Washington, D.C., where people were attempting, well, and successful, into breaking into the halls of Congress, vandalizing and, and threatening the people there. And it would be easy to say, well, that's not God. That's certainly the work of the devil or some outside force. And you'll notice right from the get-go, I have to say, well, 
you know, not the way we believe in the science of mind. We do not believe in some separate force like the devil. We don't believe in a place like hell. We simply believe that it is people using their free will, but not very skillfully, not to the betterment of other people. And so when we look at an event like that, we don't say it's the devil's work. We say it's our humanness coming out. It's our, it's our egos overcoming our natural desire to bring about love and light and joy. Somehow in the minds of those people, their, their egos asserted themselves and said, I want to do this thing even if it's at the expense of other people. When on behalf of, of spirit, normally we would say, I want to do these things. I have the right to speak out. I have the right to, to see my own agenda and my own, uh, my own ideas of how the world should be. I, I certainly have the right to, to outplay those, to, to, to act upon them out on the world. And, and acting on behalf of spirit, I will make sure that no one else comes to harm because of this. Do you see that's where if we're acting on behalf of spirit, we have to put our egos aside. We have to, we have to put aside the part of us that might want to, uh, to do something at the expense of other people, at the place where other people will come to harm or to pain. And, and we have to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, that is not acting on behalf of spirit. That is not raising the vibration of this place into love and light. Yes, I have the right to be heard. Yes, I have the right for my opinions to, to be felt by others. I, I do have the right to seek my good on the planet, but not at the expense of others, not to cause others physical and emotional harm. I have, I think, an obligation when I'm working on behalf of spirit to hold high those ideals of love, of light, of joy, of peace, and so on. I want to do a quick reading from the Science of Mind textbook. I think he does a good job of, uh, of explaining this idea of working on behalf of spirit. So I'm in the section called The Way It Works on page 37 here. He says, this thing, and of course, it's capitalized, right? He's talking about God. This thing then works for us by working through us and in us. And it cannot work for us in any other way. So what he's really saying is in the realm of human affairs, how does God get God's work done? Well, through us humans. You know, I had the occasion to be uh, with someone who had a loved one in the hospital the other day and uh, and she was explaining what a miracle it was that that her loved one had recovered so fully they had been diagnosed with i think it was stage 3 cancer and uh, some of the treatment options were somewhat limited but the gentleman had had a surgery and had some radiation treatment and, and was discharged from the hospital and and actually looking forward to a complete recovery and and she was overcome to her this totally seemed like a miracle, right? Here, this terrible diagnosis. And now her loved one uh, out of the hospital doing fine, every reason to think of full recovery. But I ask you, is it a miracle in the sense of magic? Or is it a miracle in the sense of so many people acting on behalf of God 
in a way that revealed this person's true wholeness. God, working through the doctors, through the technology of the radiation, working through the, the nurses in the hospital, working through the, the, the science that has been created by other humans to, to figure out how to, how to beat some of these illness. And, and of course, right, our, our entire staff here at the center praying for this person. Is this a miracle? Uh, well, sure, of course it's a miracle. And it's a miracle through us humans working in concert to bring about something beautiful and wholesome and joyous. And so when we think about us acting on God's behalf, we are the miracle bringers, or we are at least part of that. We are the, the kind word and the helpful prayer. We are the person that goes out of our way to bring more light and more love and more peace and more joy to others who are around us, to our families and our friends and our neighbors. And when we, when we consciously ask ourselves, is this what I can do on my highest and best? Almost like on a mission from spirit, what would I do? What could I do? What am I capable of? when I am channeling the power and the support of spirit knowingly, intentionally, through me, out into the world. I think one of the great news stories of this is 99% of the time, what's good for you is good for the planet. Almost all of the time when we're acting on our own behalf for us to experience more love, for us to experience greater compassion or, or beauty, or for us to experience greater health or whatever it is, almost always it's also good for other people too, right? Haven't you just been lifted up by someone in the room who just has that sense of joy about them or that sense of love? It, it's our vibrational impact on others, the vibe we put out, right? <laughs> Remember that old thing from maybe 20 years ago when you would talk about uh, someone, someone's vibe? Well, well, there's a kind of a reality to that too. Haven't you been around someone who's just infectiously made you feel good. So when we're seeking our own good, there's no reason that that's incompatible with doing spirit's work in the world, because our good rubs off on other people. We're not as separate as we would think that we are. When I'm enjoying myself, when I'm living the good life, when I'm being filled with love and light and wholeness, it, it rubs off on other people. It inspires other people. So most of the time, most of the time we can freely just say, well, would this be good for me? Is this useful for me? Why not pray about it? Why not seek it out? Why not experience it? Why not love life to its fullest? It's not only good for me, it's generally good for other people. And I would say the only time where we start getting into trouble is when we're seeking out our good and it does come at the expense of others. Now that sometimes can be when our ego becomes involved in ways that are simply not healthy. If you say to yourself, well, yes, I want to live the abundant life, but to do that, someone else has to suffer then I would say you've strayed a bit from this idea of acting on behalf of spirit. There is a way for everyone to succeed, right? Remember one of the things that we talked about, God, is, uh, is being all wise? 
Well, within spirit is that ability for everyone to come out on top. A, a win, 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 right? No one has to be uh, at the bottom of the heap. We can truly all achieve what we desire on this planet. And so when you're in the midst of making decisions for your own life, when you're doing for yourself and your family and the people you care about, simply ask yourself very simply, is this to be accomplished without harming anyone else? And if the answer is yes, go for it. Truly, as we find our own good in the world, others are uplifted as well. It's a simple examination that we have to do. When we're seeking our own good, we just ask ourselves, is everyone else held up on high as well? Is this a benefit not only to me but to others? Does my good have to come at the expense of someone else? Now, if you do find yourself in that position, I would say it's time to go within if you're thinking that something is so important to you that other people are going to suffer from it, I think you haven't examined all the possibilities. I think it's time to go within, trust your own sense of right and wrong, trust your own sense of acting on behalf of spirit. Take a, take a couple steps backwards and really see if there's not a way of accomplishing what you wish without representing a harm, a limitation, or a, a somehow diminishment of other people. So why does divinity not seem more apparent? Why, why do we see so many stories in the media and out in the world where, where people seem to be doing things that are not at all spirit-like, that are not at all holding up this idea of light and love, of joy and peace? Well, it gets back again to our free will. We do have the freedom and the power to make something of our lives. Sometimes that something truly does look wholesome and good, beautiful and just. And other times through our own experience and through our own ignorance, we do have the power to make a mess of our lives and a mess of the lives of the people around us. That's where we have to look inwardly. That's where we have to make some additional choices. All right. So how can we more fully embody our divinity how can we move forward more as an active emissary for spirit? I like to think of myself as a spiritual being having a human experience. And so when I go with the spiritual nature, with the light, with the love, with the joy, with the peace, with those elements that I have in common with and, and unity in with spirit, then I'm on solid ground. Then I can look at myself in my human condition and make better decisions. I know that when I focus in on spirit first and humanity second, that I will be poised to make great decisions. And so I ask myself, is what I'm about to do, what I'm contemplating, are my intentions based in love? Are they based in beauty or joy or peace? Do I ask uh, myself those qualities of God, are those what are active or am I just trying to get stuff? Am I just trying to glorify my human existence? 
If the answer is, I really feel good about what, I, what I'm doing on behalf of spirit and the principles of love or life, of, of truth and beauty, I say move ahead. Some people may not like your opinion of things. Some people may not like how you're acting on behalf of God. But if the, the truth is there, if the beauty is there, if the love is there, it is your right to feel those things. It is your right to express those things. So today we've talked about several elements of this thing called God and also the way it works. We've reaffirmed that God is all there is, those three omnis that we learned last week, all, all present, uh, all powerful, all wise. We've also verified that idea of God being eminent, not, not some uh, superhuman type figure uh, sitting on a cloud, but rather imminent, uh, God dispersed and as all aspects of the universe. God truly everywhere present, but also truly everything, every person, every place, everything, every situation, it's all part of God. And then today we added on to that. We are each an individualized center of spirit. Because God is everywhere present, it means me. It means my mind is part of the one mind. My love and my life is part of God's love and God's life. And because of that, of course, I act on behalf of spirit. We talked about that idea of humans being made in the likeness of spirit, meaning that we inherit those divine qualities of free will, of love, of life, and so on. So we are also creators in that sense that God is a creator. We also do our bit of creation. I'm going to talk a whole lot more about that next week. So the more we're aware of being God's hands and heart in the world, the greater access we also have to Spirit's power and resources. When you really can consciously act on behalf of Spirit, it just seems like the resources line themselves up. When you have that sense of doing God's work in the world, bringing about a greater blessing, bringing about grace for others, uh, increasing the amount of love in your family and in your neighborhood, creating abundance and usefulness for those around you, when that is true for you, unlimited energy, unlimited support. It seems as though the universe itself is conspiring with you to bring about the highest and the best. Okay, so I have some homework for you today. You, you knew that was going to happen, right? So the homework today is a simple one. How are you acting on behalf of spirit? How are you acting on behalf of spirit? How are you the hands and the heart, the mind here on the ground, so to speak, acting on behalf of spirit? And again, if you want to uh, do a little, uh, a little truth test to see if you are acting on behalf of spirit, just ask yourself, are my actions bringing about more love, more light, more peace, more joy, more harmony, more life? more beauty, more power, more wholeness. Just think of those qualities that we, we see imbued in God and ask yourself, is that what I'm doing? Is that what I'm accomplishing here? Again, the homework is how are you acting on behalf of spirit? 
Well, I want to close today with a final quote from the Science of Mind textbook and, of course, a prayer. So this is how Ernest Holmes ends this second chapter called The Way It Works. Knowing then that this thing itself can work for us only by working through us, let us begin to accept today more good than we experienced yesterday and to know that we shall reap a harvest of fulfilled desires. The time must come when we shall have left behind the apparent evil, when it shall be rolled up like a scrawl and simply numbered with the things which were once thought to be true. Let us realize and work with this sound knowledge and perfect faith that as high as we shall make our mark in mind and spirit, so high shall be its outward manifestation in our material world. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one joy, one peace. Only this one thing. I call this one, this thing itself, I call it God. But whether you call it God or spirit or the divine feminine or Allah, truly, truly, it is the one that is all. And in perfect unity with that one, in knowing that I am part of that, that divinity that is God, I claim on this day that I do God's work in the world, that I act on behalf of spirit, bringing about greater love, greater life, greater joy, greater peace, greater wholeness, greater beauty. It is my capability and my intention to do this on behalf of Spirit. And as it is true for me, it can be true for everyone. Each one of us can take that intention of acting on behalf of Spirit. And when we, when we do so, the power of Spirit, the, the love of Spirit, the, the joy of Spirit, it simply moves through us in, in amazingly powerful ways. It creates in us that, that sense of being in the flow of spirit and spirit's activities, and it makes such a difference. Truly, even as our lives are blessed, the people and situations around us are bathed in the grace that is spirit. And so for this, I give thanks. For this, I recognize in all God moving forward. And so I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org 
slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.